1: Hey, what next, listener? I know a lot has happened over the last few days. We've gone from Congress working to certify Joe Biden's election to a week later, approving an article of impeachment against the president again. And in between these two formal bureaucratic bookends, we've been inundated with videos showing just how determined some people are to violently disrupt American democracy. It's a lot. So, I want to rewind the clock to the early morning hours on January 6th when we weren't talking about a siege on the Capitol. We were talking about a historic double runoff in Georgia. Because it's worth remembering, American democracy is still kicking even if it's battered and bruised.
2: When I woke up, the first thing that I said to my daughter was, Pastor won the election, and she immediately perked
1: up. Tiffany Roberts is an attorney in Atlanta. She also goes to Ebenezer Baptist Church. That's where Senator-elect Raphael Warnock is pastor. My producer Davis spoke to her Wednesday morning, before the riot in Washington. She told him she hadn't stayed up to watch the returns because she didn't want to put her daughter through an emotional roller coaster.
2: She had been so impacted by the negative campaign ads because she doesn't really understand, she's six, So it's not as though she understands it's like a campaign. You know what I mean? She gets it, but she doesn't understand it. But she would get so angry about the things that she would see on television and about her pastor. But seeing it today, she was so, so happy. And we made what we call victory pancakes. They were like spice pancakes with like, uh, you know, like cinnamon and all those things. And I made them in the shape of a, a, a girl with puffs, And I called them Black Girl Magic pancakes for my daughter. And um, she was just so happy uh, that she had them. She was just so giddy. They smelled great. They were in coconut oil, you know, all of the things, um, and she, for once, ate most of her breakfast before going to Zoom school.
1: Today on the show, it is more important than ever to see both of the things that are happening in American politics right now. While right-wing extremists are threatening elected officials with violence, a little girl in Georgia is eating victory pancakes— but you're not going to see her on an endless loop on CNN. So we're going to talk about what took place last week with a few people who made victory in Georgia possible. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. Around the time Tiffany was cooking up those victory pancakes for her daughter, I got on the phone with Cliff Albright. Cliff is an organizer with Black Voters Matter. And like Tiffany, he woke up Wednesday feeling great. He'd been getting congratulated all morning. You tweeted about this young woman you heard from this morning who reached out to thank you. I I wonder if you can tell that story.
0: Yeah, so we got um a contact into our website from a young woman who said um that she was 18, voted for the first time, and that the only reason she, she voted was because we came to her community with our bus. We call it the blackest bus in America. <laughs> and and we came and, and you know, we've done this in a lot of places in a lot of the counties that we've been to throughout Georgia. I mean, I think we went to um we actually had 3 buses that were running in the state throughout the runoff election and we we went to probably about 30 if not 35 of the counties where we have partnerships so we we go to places that don't usually get to see a bus and in her case she lives in a in a in a sounds like public housing community and she said you came to our neighborhood and nobody else comes hmm. and the point that she raised and it was so perfect cuz it's literally what we tell people all the time She said, you made me believe in my own power. So regardless of how this election goes and who wins this, thank you for letting me and my community know that we matter. And that's how we measure success. Like winning an election, that's one of the traditional metrics, right? And and did did voter turnout go up? That's, That's a traditional metric, right? But probably the most important metric for us is what she shared, that if we, and we say all the time, we can make our community feel that they matter. And if they have power, we can fundamentally change the way that our community views our relationship to power, our ability to control things and control our our destinies and make change in our neighborhood. If we can do that and have that mindset shift, then the election results will take care of themselves. Hmm. So when she sent that that email and I read that, it it literally brought me to tears. It it literally brought me to tears.
1: What did you see over the last two months when you rolled up to a neighborhood that maybe hadn't seen voter outreach before
0: oh wow you know I mean we <laughs> so we see we see people smiling we see people that are sometimes brought to tears we see people that are literally left speechless um, um, you know we, we we have people we sometimes we're we'll rolling into a parking lot and, and somebody will just be getting out of their car. Uh, to go shopping and they'll see the bus and they'll just be looking like, "What the, What? what is, are you, does that say Black voters matter? Does that say, does that say we got power on it, right? Oh, you know, sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll approach somebody who's just standing and they're looking and I'm not even quite sure sometimes, like, what, are they, are they mad at us for being here? Do they feel like we're disturbing their, their, their daily trip or something? And they'll say, my, oh, my. <laughs> And you know, so we get those kinds of reactions. Then we get reactions from from folks who are expecting us to roll through but haven't seen us before. And, you know, we get people that are dancing. We'll come we come off the bus and we got people dancing.
1: What's your song?
0: Oh, the theme song is James Brown. I'm black and I'm proud. Ah! Anybody who has seen us will tell you we don't come off that bus (laughs) without our radio, without our speaker, without that song playing. That is our theme song. You know, back in in there's a movie, I'm going to get you sucker, where they say every 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 hero needs a theme song. That's our theme song. And so that's what we play when we come off. Now, the longer we're out there, we got a whole Black voters matter playlist. Uh, It includes. Um, everything from Beyonce. Now we have. A, sometimes we have a battle over which version of "Before I Let Let You Go" is the real version. Is it the Beyonce version, or is it the, the original Frankie Beverly and Maze version? And so sometimes that creates a fight in some of our some of our events. But both of those songs are on the playlist. We got some Kendrick Lamar. We gonna be all right. Uh, We got some more Beyonce Freedom. We got some John Legend in in common with Glory. So we've got a whole playlist that we play. But you better believe that the first song we play when we come off that bus is James Brown. I'm black and I'm proud.
1: Have you ever met someone who's like. And you've had to convince them. They're like, it, this isn't going to matter. Like, I see how it goes in this state. And like, they they may have voted at some point, but they may not feel like they will this mm-hmm. time.
0: All the time. All, all all the time. What do you say to them? The first thing I say, I, quite honestly, the first thing is I say is, you know what? I feel you. <laughs> you know, I hear you. Like, I do this work every day. and And there are days where, where i feel like this doesn't matter or my vote doesn't matter or this is a rigged process like that's i i I go through that myself and i do this work in fact i had one of those days yesterday before in in despite of every all the excitement that we were having throughout the day at all the polling places and the communities we went to um you you may be familiar with that just yesterday they announced in kenosha that the officer that shot Jacob Blake is not going to be facing charges. And so yesterday was one of those days where at least for a, a moment, a minute, five minutes, where I had to continue to ask myself, as Dr. King once you know, asked himself, sometimes I ask myself, am, am I integrating my people into a burning house? Like, is this really the answer um, that we're trying to get people into this voting process and still on a regular basis, we're being reminded that our lives don't matter? And so the first thing I do is let them know that I hear you and I feel you and I've experienced that and you're not crazy. But guess what? Let's shift the conversation away from the voting thing. Let's talk about what it is that you want for you and your family. What is it that you want to see in your community? And when we have that conversation, when we center it on, you know, I want... You know, I wanted to go to school, but I I didn't have tuition or, you know, my my, my grandmom is really sick and I want to be able to I want her to have some health care. I want to I want it to be easier for me to take care of them. Right. When we can center it on what it is that they're dreaming of for their community and for themselves and we root it there and we let them know that we're not just talking to them because they're a vote, something to be rounded up, but that we're talking to them because we fundamentally care about them because they matter, right? And then when we can take the conversation after we know what it is that they care about, we can say, well, guess what? You got the power to help make that happen. And that power might be in voting or it might be in in just organizing a group of folks to move towards that objective that you said. But when we can let them know that fundamentally what we care about is their lives and not just their votes, right? That what we care about is our community, then it's a different kind of a conversation.
1: I saw something you wrote a few months back where you were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement in the summer and, you know, do we need a march on Washington? Yeah. And you made this really interesting point, which is like, no, like that's that's for show. Yeah. What we need is this high touch work in people's communities with people that they respect and trust Mm -hmm. because the showy stuff may not be doing what we want it to do. It might feel good, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like, what is the path forward here? And I I thought it was really interesting.
0: Um, You know, sometimes I I, I feel guilty because some of this approach, like just really isn't rocket science, (laughs) right? Like like (laughs) the, the notion that the way that you get people involved is by dealing with something that is very close to them. It's something that they see on a daily basis. It's something that's easily understandable. It's not the, the trillion dollar government, federal budget, right? But it's the, you know, maybe it's the police budget in their city, or maybe it's the, the, the roads and infrastructure budget that will determine whether or not they got these potholes on their street or 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 it's the stop sign at the end of the street or the light that they need because somebody was in a car accident. Um, You know, this notion, and we believe in it, and you're right, it's a big part of our work, we actually believe that the more disengaged a voter is the more important that their on-ramp be something very local.
1: Hmm. They have to see and touch the change.
0: Yes, exactly. They can see it, they can touch it. It's 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 and to a certain extent I, I almost hesitate to say it, but to a certain extent it's kind of a immediate gratification type thing, right? it's it's, it's that I can vote on this on this issue and I can see a local a local official do something about it or fail to do something about it in real time, real close. It's up and personal, right? I'm going to walk out my door every day and this local issue is like, it's right there in my face. That's the thing for some people that, that gets them involved.
1: How are you going to celebrate
0: tonight? <laughs> um, first, trying to get a little sleep. Um, second, second, um, really just trying to, you know, spend some time with, with my family, you know, which they've been incredibly giving of, of, of my time. And part of, um, you know, what I, my, my relaxation or personal time is just being able to spend more time with them and maybe go somewhere if we could find someplace safe to go in COVID. But, um, but it's, it's right back at it. We got an email today. I got an email today from some folks I reached out to last year. Around the time that a Tatiana Jefferson was murdered in Texas, and they didn't respond, then, probably because they had a lot going on, understandably. But I just got an email this morning from a group saying, "Hey, we, you know, we're we're still dealing with these issues, and we got a mayor's race, and we'd love to partner and get some support. And by the way, the mayor's race is in March.
1: So you're going to be hitting the road soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's what we always say is it's Black Voters Matter 365. There's no such thing as an off year. We've we've got an other um inquiries and requests for support around local elections there's a South Carolina election in February so you know 2021 is going to be busy in part because of the summer of protests and this issue of police violence although there's federal issues right and there's there's Supreme Court issues and all of that but m- most of those issues are really local issues it's 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 the city council and what's the city council going to approve in the city's budget Who's the police chief? Who's the mayor appointing to be police chief? Who's the DA and who's the sheriff? And so a lot of those local issues are going to be on the ballot in 2021. That type of issue is going to be happening in city after city and county after county all throughout 2021. And we're going to be ready for it.
1: Cliff Albright, I'm so grateful for you joining me on this incredibly busy day.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Cliff Albright is the co-founder of Black Voters Matter. When we come back, another factor that seemed to have tipped the scales in Georgia was the activism of the WNBA. I'll talk to a player who left the court to commit herself to social justice.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty.
1: What's up, Mary? Hey, Renee, how are you? I'm good. This is Renee Montgomery. I spoke to her after the Capitol attack, but she was still feeling pretty victorious after what happened in Georgia.
4: I know a lot is getting lost in the news because of the domestic terrorist attack that happened on January 6th, but what shouldn't get lost is that a Jewish man from Georgia. Was elected senator, a black man from Georgia was elected senator. This is coming off of Joe Biden being elected president and Kamala Harris being elected vice president. We should all be excited. I mean, I don't, maybe not us all, but I'm excited. That's a win. That's a three and zero sweep. I'm an athlete, so you know I think like that. That's a three zero sweep. That's a gentlewoman sweep right there. Yeah, we should all be excited because this was not easy. You know, like, this was a lot of time taken out towards this cause. And it was a labor of love. And so, yeah, I'm definitely excited.
1: Renee is a professional basketball player, most recently for the Atlanta Dream, a team that is partially owned by Kelly Loeffler, the former senator from Georgia. This year, players like Renee openly campaigned on behalf of Loeffler's opponent, Raphael Warnock, who, of course, won. You know, I talked to an NBA player this year, Larry Nance Jr., and I asked him at the very beginning, like, do you see yourself as political? And he said no. But I I wonder if you always have seen yourself as political.
4: No, definitely not. I think, you know, most athletes would not can be considered political just in a sense of politics and sports used to be almost taboo, a stigma, because a lot of players knew that they're their owners of their team might be a certain, uh, they, they could be Republican, to put it simple. Like, you know, they could be, they could feel the same way as something you're about to speak out against or a sponsorship could feel the same way. And so you always didn't want to upset the owners or, or upset the sponsors that may be affiliated with the team. But as you can see, I think that's out the window now. Um, my clicking moment was George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. That was my click moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talked about how over the summer you were watching protests in Atlanta and they were coming closer and closer to where you live. And you were really honest. You said as the protests got closer, I kind of got a little bit scared. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah.
4: You know, like I've never seen anything like what happened. You know, I, I don't think anyone has in a sense of, you know, my parents had. So I guess I shouldn't say that because, the first people you call when you're scared is your parents. So I called my Snook and my Diddy and I'm like, Hey, like what, like what should I do? Should I evacuate? Like I literally didn't know like how to proceed. Um, because I, if people will recall, there was a lot of, a lot of turmoil in in Atlanta, even with like people going into buildings. And then, you know, the national guard, all of that was happening. So I'm like, should I just evacuate and just leave the premises until things chill out? And my and my parents were just so calm. And my son was like, no, you're good. Like, you're fine. Like you if you wanted to go out there and walk into the streets, you're fine. Like, and and she was just telling me that when people don't feel that their voice is heard, they have to make it felt. And that that pretty much started my education process. Like I wanted to dive into it. Things that you don't see on Twitter, things that you don't see in the interviews, it's how much I was reading, how much I was studying, how many Netflixes I could watch, educating myself. Um, I dove in just so that when I am speaking on things, I'm speaking from a place of understanding the past because this is nothing's new.
1: Was there a little bit when you talked to your mom of not just you can go outside, but maybe you should. You know,
4: she didn't say that that night, you know, maybe because there was a lot going on um, just all around. But it inspired me because that's I end up throwing a Juneteenth pop up block party uh, down in Centennial Park for that very reason. I wanted to show love to the people that were peacefully protesting. I brought drinks. I brought food. I brought a whole like cookout. Like I'm like, if y'all are going to be out here marching peacefully, protesting all day, I'm about to feed y'all. Like that was just my thought process. Um, my, my, and even like at that point, I didn't think nothing of it, but then when I saw on the news and I started being called a mob leader and different things of that nature, I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy. A mob leader. Yeah. Like, you know, they started saying this was mob mentality, peaceful protests, this like all over the news, they were calling peaceful protests mobs, mob mentality. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was all over, but that was the language that was being used for peaceful protesters. In the spring, in the summer, peaceful protesters were getting terms used like mob, mob mentality. And
1: because I threw an event, apparently I'm leading the bunch. It was around this time that Renee made an even bigger decision to take a break from the WNBA and dedicate herself to political action.
4: I called my coach, talked to her directly, you know, and she she supported me 100 percent actually. And I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, for real? Um, but she had said, like, you know, as a coach, obviously, I wish you would be out there with us this season. But just as a as a human living in America and as a person living in America, you know, I get it. And so for me, that was very empowering because I never want to let people down. And so I told my teammates and let them know. And I told them, like, y'all handle things in the bubble. I got y'all outside the bubble.
1: Renee used her time away from the team to expand her foundation. She wanted to increase community involvement in local politics. She raised money for HBCUs. But pretty quickly her teammates were looping her into their political action. It all started when Kelly Leffler wrote a public letter to the WNBA's commissioner. She said the Black Lives Matter movement did not align with the league or her team. Then she went on Fox News to defend herself. And I had to draw the line. I had to speak out for those that disagree with this movement because our country is too important. And I, I suggested that we unite behind the American flag because that is... Renee knew she had to respond. So she called out her boss on Twitter. Did you ever have that moment? Like, I know that I've sent notes to my boss where you like regret it a little bit afterwards you're like should i have sent that like was my tone weird especially when you're sending something online did you have that with that tweet no i wasn't
4: i wasn't too concerned about that and also you know just talking to my mom my snook she was just telling me you can't you can't worry about stuff if you're doing the right thing sometimes the right thing is uncomfortable and it wasn't comfortable but i felt like i was on the i was doing the right thing
1: yeah yeah, I'm looking back at what you said now, and you choose your words really carefully. You say, dear Senator Leffler, I'm pretty sad to see that my team ownership is not supportive of the movement, meaning the Black Lives Matter movement, and all that it stands for. And then you just say, I, I would love to have a conversation with you if you're down. Exactly. And it is remarkably open.
4: Yeah, I wanted to show that like I'm not gonna, you know, come and and be yelling or acting crazy. I wasn't gonna do that. I'm like, if you want to have a conversation, let's have a conversation because I think that you're way off base here. And like I said, now as things have played out and I saw the race that she was running and we all saw it, um, photos with Klansmen and different things of that nature, then you start to understand. Okay, there's nothing to really talk about here.
1: Yeah. I mean, did you consider like reaching out non publicly and just saying, like, hey, like we know each other? I, I don't know. Maybe you've been to her house. <laughs>
4: I have been to her house and I did. I just didn't tell everybody, you know, I, like contrary <laughs> to popular belief, everything doesn't go on social media. But yeah, I did reach out non social media. I sent a text. What happened when you did that? <laughs> <laughs> I got left. I got left on red, I guess. Um, I sent the text and it, uh, I didn't get a response. So, uh, Um, nothing happened. The same thing that happened with my tweet.
1: Nothing happened. From there, players from the dream started looking into Leffler's Senate race, looking to see whether some of the other candidates represented their values better. They landed on Warnock. Then they started wearing t-shirts to games that read, Vote Warnock. This wasn't just something that's like,
4: hey, we're mad and we're going to pick him because that's who's running against her. It didn't happen like that at all. He was vetted. (laughs) <laughs> that's what people, people don't realize. They think, oh man, the players just printed out some shirts and it said vote Warnock and they were basically trying to get back it, at, at the other senator. No, 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 no. That's not, how it, that's not how educated people move. And the WNBA is comprised of educated women. Most of us graduating from a four-year university, like educated women. No one's gonna do that if you don't know the person. So Senator Warnock was vetted. He was vetted. There was a vetting process before the shirts were printed up. That's not, that's that's calculated. This is This is tactical. This is plotting. This is planning. This is organizing. And I'm here for
1: all of that. There was this analysis published in the Washington Post back in November, and it really credited the WNBA and all the work that the Dream and others did for shifting the conversation around the Georgia Senate race. Basically, it said that When you and your teammates started speaking up, there was a surge in grassroots interest in Raphael Warnock. I'm wondering if you saw that, given that you were doing sort of social justice work in this moment, were you talking to people and sort of seeing that energy build? You know,
4: it's interesting because I didn't know that until— I would say I was two days ago when I found that out in a sense of when people started to crunch the numbers. It's hard to see something when you're like in it, when you're in the middle of it and you're in it and all oh, your head is down, you're just working. For me, I, I like you have to give it up to the WBA and it wasn't just the Atlanta Dream that wore the shirts. It was the Phoenix Mercury. It was the Seattle Storm. It was, it was you know, this was a group effort. And so to be a part of that group and to just... Like, again, I said it before, but to be on the right side of history, you know, you never, while it was happening, some people didn't know what the right side was. You could tell. And now just looking back and how everything has played out, especially on January 6th, you can understand like, wow, we really were
1: a part of history. Renee Montgomery, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Renee Montgomery is a professional basketball player, most recently with the Atlanta Dream. In the last few weeks, she said she's open to buying the team if Kelly Leffler is selling. And that's the show. What next is produced by Davis Land, Elena Schwartz, Mary Wilson and Daniel Hewitt. Franny Kelly is giving us a hand too. Alison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery make it all go more smoothly. And I'm Mary Harris. Tomorrow, Lizzie O'Leary will be here with What Next TBD, our Friday show. And I will be back next week.